I would like this evening to continue in a discussion about the home. I mentioned to you last week that I had been reading a, a book that was published oh, 110 or 20 years ago. It was some very, I think, timely comments for our own time. I find it interesting that even as long ago as that in 1870-something, there were men, godly men and women, who were at that time decrying the breakdown of the family. I'm sure you're aware that the divorce rate in 1873 was considerably lower than it is today. In fact, I don't know what the statistics are. I should have bothered to find out. It would have probably amused you and interested you, but... If I were to guess, I would have to say that the divorce rate was less than 1% in the United States of America in those days. I'm sure it was less than that for a lot of reasons. One reason is that divorce laws were very difficult. They made divorce impossible, almost impossible to achieve without a, a lengthy battle. And secondly, in almost any divorce action, the woman came out in a two-way battle, came out fifth best. So it, it became a very difficult proposition for women to divorce their husbands and it was a, a, a reproach for men to divorce their wives. It was an admission of their failure. And as a result, uh, divorce was not uh, one of the means by which family life was governed, as such as it is today. But even beyond that, uh, there was a great concern. I found it noteworthy, a, a very deep concern by this author, uh, that the basic precepts of, and concepts of family life had become degraded by what he called worldly dainties and entertainments. They didn't have television then. They have radio then. They have movies then. So you have to wonder what it was that he was talking about. Well, obviously, what he was talking about was printed matter and the traveling entertainments of vaudeville and carnivals and fairs that came about uh, to entertain the, uh, as, as part of the entertainment business. At any rate, I think the main thing, though, and the, and the main port import of the whole idea uh, behind uh, the concern of the writer was that he saw a declension. He, he, by, his, by his definition of what the way things ought to be in the home, he saw a declension, a decline. And uh, he set about to write a book of advice to children, to parents, to singles, men and women, and how they ought to conduct their lives as Christians in a home environment, and how important the home environment was. In fact, one of the things that he said, and I'm sure you know this is true, he said almost all forms of mammals, of mammal life, the mother uh, delivers her offspring, and in a very short period of time, relative to the whole, the offspring is off by itself, never again to be under the control or influence of its mother. Neither its her protection or her influence or her instinctive instructions. He says the human creature is far different from any other form of life on this planet because children, by and large, remain under the influence of their parents, under their control and influence, until they're nearly their until their adult years, really. Uh, there have been attempts, of course, in the laws, the legislation of of law in our country to uh, to shorten that span legally 
and, and with some success has the law uh, been passed too short in the span, from, namely from age 21 to age 18, uh, to ages of responsibility. But I, I think probably uh, the point that the author of the book was attempting to make was that parental influence, uh, if properly impressed, is influence that will carry even beyond the young adult years. Therefore, he hypothesizes, parents ought to be very careful that they are good parents and produce the right influences because their influences last a long time and should impress their offspring to last their lifetimes as well. You can see how the idea being that if there is something of good value about your home and you know that it's solid and sturdy and right and wholesome and holy, you want your child to learn the same value and to establish that value in his or her home. And you want them to have it so impressed upon them that they will do so to their children, and it will go on and on and on. That's the ideal situation, of course, but we know that each generation tends to diminish what it has learned from the previous generation. That's, that's the normal course of life. I, I think by just the remarks that I have made, and probably from your own observations as well, uh, you will conclude that the natural course of human behavior is a downward spiral. It's the natural course. That's, that, that's man. Man doesn't aspire to an upward uh, track. He, he generally will allow incursions into his system of values, which will gradually lower him a lower level and a lower, and that's passed on from generation to generation. One could easily make a case for that just in, the, in a brief history of the last 150 years in the United States of America. So uh, I've chosen a passage of scripture from the uh, Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, uh, to open our discussion. Would you turn to it, please? Proverbs chapter 23, we'll read verses 22 uh, through 25. Proverbs 23, verse 22. Hearken unto thy father that begot thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a, wild chi a wise child shall have the joy of him. The father and thy mother, thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bore thee shall rejoice. Now let's stop and let's pray. Our Father, I thank you for this evening hour, for coming together, and I pray that your word and the remarks from your word will benefit each one of us. We, we, need, we do need your instruction. We truly do need it in this perverse world. And I pray that we would take it to our hearts and that your spirit would instruct all of us, young, children at home, parents, singles, in your right ways that we might be obedient to your word and therefore improve not only the society in which we live, but impart such knowledge of Christ's likeness to those who are about us so as to point them toward salvation in Christ Jesus. I pray in his name. Amen. <coughs> uh, 
Of the Ten Commandments, 10% of the Ten Commandments are spent upon family life. That is one of the ten. Directly, honor thy father and thy mother. But when one stops to consider what it is that the holy law of God declares, one can easily conclude that they all have to do with family life, every one of them. Because after all, a home is a place where we are to learn things which we would not learn otherwise anywhere else, or at least to the degree or extent that we will learn them at home. We will not learn them otherwise anywhere else. We cannot count, for example, today on anyone training our children to fear and reverence God other than ourselves in a family setting. We cannot, for example, train our children, our, our, our sons and our daughters, in the value of what they shall hopefully grow to be as husbands and wives. We cannot count on society anywhere else teaching them what they must be taught at home. You want your son and you want your daughter to be successful husbands and wives, and you'll have to give them the training yourselves. And, and whatever failing we may have as parents will reflect in their lives somewhere along the line. And I, I think it's important that we understand that uh, the elements of our society go like this. The individual, the home or family, uh, neighborhood, uh, nation, world. And sandwiched in there between family and nation and neighborhood is church. Now, the individual obviously contributes to the family because the family is comprised of more than one individual. But the families, the elements of the families, uh, comprise the elements of both churches and neighborhoods, nations, society in general. And if the family fails in providing the quality of persons that ought to be contributed to its church or to its neighborhood or to its society, then the society will be much poorer for it, which is exactly what's happened to us, by the way. And I might, I would hasten to add, and I think, and I want you to listen to me, because it's very easy to, to, uh, to look at the way parents raise their children, for us to do this. It's easy for us to do this. Or it's very easy for us to look at the result of, of, of the way parents have raised their children. And in our heart of hearts, be critical of them. But, but I want you to look at yourselves as parents, those of you who are, and, and those of you who are children yet at home, and those of you who are singles who expect to establish a home, and look at what already you have allowed to penetrate your life, and your thought processes, your system of values, what you allow and disallow, and compare it with, say, what you know society would have allowed and disallowed some time ago, and determine whether or not uh, you are actually being a bulwark against the onslaught, the satanic onslaught, against the moral fiber of, of our homes and of our society. So I would, I would just hypothesize that, that our church, 
any church, ours included, and our society, any societies, but certainly ours, is dependent entirely upon what kind of families there are to populate them, the quality of family life. Look, you might, we might as well face the facts. We, in general, generally speaking, our church is reflective of our society. Our church is. It's, it's, we, we, we're thankful that we are uh, a New Testament church. We're thankful that we are saved by God's grace. We're thankful for our doctrinal purity and all those other kinds of things. The fact is that our behavioral mode, by and large, is reflective of our society. And, and we ought to examine ourselves in that light. We, we need to be concerned that, that the legacy that we shall leave behind for others to follow will be one of, of strength and, 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 uh, and goodness and holiness. Well, man has recognized his decline, and there have always been those who have attempted to figure out ways to improve family life. We have, a, we have literally probably more than three to five billion dollars in the federal budget this year, this, this fiscal year, on studies and means by which family life can be improved. And I can assure you that there is no way in the world that the government of the United States of America can improve the American family. Never. They just can't do it. It's impossible. It's an impossible task. Nor is there any way that any local government can improve family life. There's only one way that family life can be improved, and that's by responsible parents who teach their children responsibility and recognize the consequences for irresponsibility. But as one might expect, the, the human prescription for improving family life is to impart knowledge. How, much, how, how often have you heard, I hear it all the time, I hear, hear it on talk radio, I read it in newspapers, I read it in, in weekly publications and magazines. The great dearth in our country is lack of education. If we got our people educated, life would be better. People would be better. There would be less crime. There would be more niceties. If only we could be educated. But, but Americans, Americans today possess more college degrees in proportion to its population than at any other time in its history. And it's not better. And families aren't better. And our nation isn't better. So knowledge is not a good prescription that will rectify all of these ills that have fallen upon us. Refinement, cult, cultivation, culture, all those kinds of things, none of those things will elevate families in spite of the fact that there have been great efforts to, to, to attempt to elevate family through these means. <clears throat> Culture is precious, and we should all get a little more of it, I suppose. But it's not the means by which families will be elevated into a, into a position where, where God will be honored and where it will be a force in society. So, when such human devices are found to be insufficient... We need to recognize that it's not knowledge that is going to go toward curing our problems within our families, but goodness will. It's not refinement that's going to do it, but holiness will. It's not culture that's going to do it, but God-likeness will. Short of these things, 
Nothing can preserve society from corruption or restore it after it has, been come, has, after it has become corrupt and our society has become corrupt. So the only means by which society can possibly be restored is a rejuvenation and recommitment of those who are involved in family life to do their families, to live their families in a manner according to God's word. We need to impress upon our children at an early age obedience, respect for authority. Fathers have to meet their roles of of having authority and also being loving and mothers as well need to meet their roles of being influencers and teachers of their children according to the precepts of scripture not allowing their temperamental feelings to get in the way of what is right with regard to the rearing of their children a great deal of that's been lost for a lot of reasons many of the reasons why these things have been lost are legal reasons but but that nonetheless is no reason why a, a conscientious mother or father should not operate their family the way the word of God says it ought to be done. There's no seminary, no scholarship, no famous person, no well-known athlete, no anyone who can give testimony to anything about success that can help the family except the family operate according to God's appointed ways and use God's supplied means to do it. What do we do? And how do we go about it? How do we recommit ourselves? Those of us who have raised children, those of us who are raising children, those of us who are simply married with no children, and those of us who are young adults who intend someday to become married and raise children, how how do we do it? And what shall we do? Well, I would like to say, first of all, that 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 the Bible is very plain on the subject of how children ought to be raised, how fathers ought to behave, and how mothers ought to behave. The Bible says a lot on those subjects. But primarily, we need to emulate Jesus Christ. We need to emulate him. We need to know what his life was and live our lives according to his life. We need to say the kinds of things he said and do the kinds of things he did. We need to refrain from doing the kinds of things that he refrained from doing. We need to learn his life and emulate Jesus Christ. And we need to point out the life of Christ to our young people and to our children. We need them to know that in order to please God, one must be like Christ. He must be good, he must be holy, he must be kind, he must be thoughtful, he must be gentle, must be all of those things, and caring. That's Christ-likeness. And if you want your children to be saved and go to heaven, then your lives need to be lived like Christ's life, and Christ must be pointed out to your children constantly, their, their depravity must be shown to them, their sinfulness must be demonstrated before them, and finally, point them to Christ as their Savior. Because the most successful families of all, in my judgment, are those in which every member of the family is born again, blood blood, by Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Now, just one little aside, and I'm through. There isn't anything more human 
than to fail in what we ought to do by pointing out to someone else's failure in what they ought to do. That's as human as human can be. For us to fail and use the failure of someone else as a reason for our own. Mm -hmm. For me to say I would have done it, but so-and-so who is a deacon or who is prominent or who is the pastor didn't do it, and thus excuse one, one's, one's own failure. The Bible is very plain in the fact that each one of us shall stand and give account of each one's own life and own self before the throne of God, of Christ's judgment. So I, I think it's important that we need to drop the cloak and the mantle of our own hypocrisy and get down to the business of doing and being what we have been called to do and to be we have not been called to be like the rest of the world. We have not been called to raise our children or to have our marriages like the marriages of the rest of the world. True happiness is found in obedience to the true Christ. And obeying him will produce in your marriage and in your home as a child, as a single, or as a parent it will produce the joy and constancy that the world yearns to have but will not pay the price to get. I trust you will pay the price to get it because any other price you pay to get any other thing will turn the sand on you anyway. That which endures is what God says endures. And that which goes away is what God says doesn't endure and do not do. The Bible is our book. It's not just a book of doctrine. It's that. The Bible is our book for living. And it is filled with instruction about how we ought to live. I trust that we'll make a greater commitment of ourselves to living our lives according to the word of God and following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ in his steps. Let's pray. Dear Lord,